0: I'm recording from the lands of the Wurundjeri people and I wish to pay my respects to their elders past and present and acknowledge that this land always was and always will be Aboriginal land.
1: Ella and I are recording from the lands of the Wurundjeri and Boon Wurrung people and we would like to pay our respect to elders past and present and acknowledge that this always was and always will be Aboriginal land. This episode of The Significant Others is sponsored by Botanicals by Lux professionally formulated and Australian-made and owned skincare. Botanicals by Lux launched almost three years ago with a hyaluronic serum that has remained as their bestseller. Botanicals by Lux has grown to include clay masks, a face oil cleansers, a lip treatment and most recently have released a body wash and body cream. The entire range is free from nasties, no PEGs, parabens and sulfates, no synthetic artificial fragrances or colours. Of course, everything is completely vegan and
0: absolutely cruelty-free. The wonderful back from Botanicals by Lux has generously offered our listeners free shipping on any order using the code PodCastShip at checkout until 9pm on Sunday, April 18th. You can find them on Instagram at BotanicalsByLux or botanicalsbylux.com.au to order your vegan, cruelty-free, results-driven skincare now.
2: Sundays I do live and I would text Mac and say a pretty good nurse today and you know you, you have to take those moments because the days are really tough and often I do walk through the doors in tears but on the days when it's actually I've made a small difference to
1: that family's day you have to be proud of that and take it take it when it comes. <laughs> This week on the Significant Others podcast, we are so thrilled to be able to bring you a Significant other story from outside of the world of AFL. Today we welcome to the mic Ella Walter, a neonatal intensive care nurse who could easily be described as sweet, caring and down to earth, but has also been described as the secret weapon of her Olympic swimmer boyfriend, Mac Horton. Today we hear Ella's story in her own words. We absolutely loved getting to know Ella and we're sure you will too.
0: Ella, thank you very much for joining us this morning and spending a bit of time with us here on the podcast. Would you like to start with telling us a bit about where you grew up and your family? Sure. I was born on the Banksmere Peninsula in
2: Bansdale and we spent our first couple of years there, mum, dad and I, and then we moved to Yarra Junction. Um, Dad took on a job as an educator as part of a school camp and it was on a dairy farm. So um, they were a good couple of years running around, probably not in much clothing, rolling around in cow patties and eating grass and (laughs) all that good gear.
3: And during that time, mum was working as an ABC radio broadcaster, so
2: she was commuting to and from Melbourne. <laughs> and my sister was born when we were when we were there, and then we moved up to the city for me to start primary school and um, and then my brother was born. Uh, childhood was good fun. We just hung out as a family and there was lots of sport and my sister and I loved gymnastics and swimming and dad would take us camping and mum would take us to museums and musicals and it was all very colourful and, and happy. And then um, my parents divorced when I was I think around 11 or 12. But I don't have a whole lot of memories from that period of time, actually. I think I might have blocked a bit of it out. Both my parents remarried in the years to follow. And so I got three awesome step-siblings and a beautiful half-brother out of those remarriages. And so um, my teenage years were full-on, but also good fun and challenging at times.
0: Yeah, I can imagine with a family that big, it's hard to keep up with everybody all of the time. Yeah. What were you drawn to as a kid growing up? We you, you you touched on sport, being outdoors, camping, but singing and dancing, like which which way were you naturally drawn to?
2: Um, do you know to all of it. I was always described as like such an all-rounder. I love them all for different reasons. I I think As I've grown up, I can look back on who I was as a kid and go, I was so drawn to the company of others, but I didn't always need to participate. I just loved being around other humans and making those connections. So I think I was probably a little bit introverted, but on the inside just wanted to be a part of all of it. I have always loved singing. That was a big pull for me. And I think just, I was always, always involved in caring for my younger siblings. And that was a big, a big role early on and definitely a joy <laughs> for me. I really loved it. Do you think that caring role is what led you into your
1: current career? Absolutely.
2: Yeah. In fact, I remember being told, oh, you'd be a good nurse. And it just kind of stuck. And then I was like, oh, okay. Okay. I'll be a nurse.
1: (laughs) Can you tell us a bit about your journey to get there?
2: Well, I was all on track at uni to go and figure out what kind of nursing I wanted to do. I don't think I quite understood when I decided to do nursing how many options there were and how many different pathways there were. And you didn't just have to work in a hospital and patient advocacy and that whole side of things I hadn't quite realised was possible. But As I graduated, I learned that there was such a thing as a neonatal intensive care nurse, and that's what I jumped onto. So I work with premature babies. So it's a rough start to life, but it's a pretty magical space to be a part of. It's obviously heartbreaking, but also very hopeful. So, yeah, I am on a journey to become, you know, that very specialised kind of nurse. So I'm doing my postgraduate studies throughout last year and this year and working while I'm doing that so it's um, a good balance the practical and theory side of things but yeah it's exactly where I'm meant to be so that's pretty amazing to be able to say at my age I feel very lucky that yeah I'm so happy in my job and I feel fulfilled
1: that's amazing (laughs) your best days at work must be so like you said full of hope they must be so beautiful but your worst days must be very difficult Can you talk to us about how you manage that, what your coping strategies are?
2: I'm probably still working out what they are, to be honest. What I've learned about myself in the last couple of years since working in the NICU is that I feel absolutely every emotion that every other person in that room is feeling. So I um, am emotionally drained a lot of the time. So yeah, I am starting to work on some coping strategies for that, and being able to separate the mind at work, and then coming home and going, this is my quiet time, and you don't have to be worrying constantly about what's happening at work. You need to chill, read a book, have a bath, <laughs> do something else. But at work, in that space, everyone is so incredible. We all support each other. You know, we we have to step back and look at the bigger situation. We've got a parent or parents, a family, special friends, whoever the support people for that baby are, they are in hell. And the perspective that you can get is pretty heart-wrenching and all we can do is make that really challenging time bearable and give little moments of happiness and create special memories for them and their baby. So we do band together as a team and it's, um, it's really, it's an incredible multi multidisciplinary team to be a part of.
1: This year and last year have been challenging years for everyone, but certainly in a, in a hospital environment. What's it been like? You know, I'm sure you've had changes to who could visit babies and I'm sure it's been a, a different environment, but can you tell us a little bit about it?
2: I'm sure every hospital managed it slightly differently. But for us, we're an intensive care unit and so even not in COVID times, not in COVID times we are restricted as to the number of visitors that are allowed, but this was actually awful for the parents. At one stage they were only allowed one parent at a bedside. So, I mean, you can imagine first-time parents, a very premature baby, quite sick, and they can't come in together and support each other. So that was incredibly tough Um, and then slowly we've been trickling back to having two parents at one time then they can stay all day we don't have visiting hours they can come in at any time and recently you are now allowed to have Another person visit with a parent and siblings can now come in, which is so good because yeah. for so long we didn't see any of the siblings and you know, terribly hard for parents finding childcare during COVID. So, yeah, it's so good to see the little tuckers running around and meeting their brothers and sisters. It's awesome, it's beautiful.
0: Oh, that's so really that must be one of like the absolute highs oh, of the job, then absolutely. That and then probably when they do get to go home or like is that one that is really special? Yeah,
2: absolutely. I'm, I'm generally not involved in that part. They're a bit better now and then down the other end of the unit and got other beautiful nurses looking after them and working with them to uh, plan that transition into home life. But yeah, they do pop up and say goodbye to us, which is great. I mean, it's for some of them, it's a three, five-month journey in our unit. So mm. it's pretty daunting going home. Proudest
0: achievements? It seems like maybe just what you do every day is something well, that you're proud think of so. because you're passionate. But, yeah, is, this, is there a standout that comes to mind?
2: I think it comes back to me being a little bit introverted and I think I think am. I think I am proud of myself when I do allow other people in and I don't use the relationship as a like I am the carer in that relationship, but, but actually I've got people who are caring for me in other relationships as well. So I think I, it's, a very, it's been a very slow process learning that, but I am there now. And so I think curating this bunch of people in my life that are so special and so individualistic and um, we're all growing together, I think that would be something I'm proud of. But then, of course, yeah, work. Some days I do leave and I would text Mac and say, I was a pretty good nurse today. And, you know, you, you have to take those moments because the days are really tough. And often I do walk through the doors in tears. But on the days when it's actually I've made a small difference to that family's day, you have to be proud of that and take it, take it when it comes.
1: You've just mentioned the special people in your life, Ella. Do you want to tell us a little bit about who those special people are?
2: Mm, So my mum and dad,
3: I admire my dad for his unfailing kindness and zest for life outdoors and adventure. And mum for her grit and expansive general knowledge, which still blows my mind. Um, And she taught me... The importance of having really, really good girlfriends in your corner.
2: And then my dad married a beautiful woman called Claire, and she is fantastic. She navigated the stepmotherhood beautifully, and we're now great friends. And my mum married a man called Neil, and he is so cool. He's super <laughs> wacky and really interesting and very generous and so they they actually live in Hong Kong with my youngest brother. Felix is a super curious and joyful
3: kid he's
2: awesome. And then my biological siblings Claudia and Digby are my angels on earth they are the best people and my step-siblings but we never use that term they just we're all brothers and sisters Anna, Mary and Henry they're all fantastic and Claudia and Anna are my
3: best friends. Being so close in age, we have an
2: unbreakable bond. The best time is when we can all get together and hang out as a big clan because it's wild but um, really good fun.
3: And I also have an unreal group of friends. Um, They each bring out something different in me. And, um, yeah, I feel very lucky to have such an eclectic
1: mix. And tell us about who you've brought into the family. Tell us a little bit about Mac and how you met.
2: So Mac and I met when we were actually at primary school. Wow. I went to, I started at the school he was at in prep and um, we didn't have much to do with each other in primary school. And then I went to a different high school for a couple of years, tried out the all-girls school thing, and that was not an ideal fit for me. So I went back to the co-ed school, um, incidentally, where Mac was. And, again, friendly but not really that involved in each other's lives. I knew he was kind of doing the swimming thing, but, yeah, there were so many other things going on, it (laughs) didn't really reach my radar that much. And then after Year 12 exams... We just kept bumping into each other. And I started to get this feeling like, I actually think I used to have a crush on this guy in primary school. <laughs> um, and apparently it was reciprocated. So we had a bit of a laugh about that. And um, and then off we went. From there. So yeah, it was a pretty smooth transition into a really wonderful relationship, actually. That's so cute. <laughs>
0: So did you go from high school straight into study? What path did Mac take if he was already quite focused on um, swimming being his career?
2: So he finished high school and then the cum games had been on in his year 12 and that was probably the first really, well, it was his first cum games, um, and big international event and then the next year he just like every year trained his butt off and he's done a couple of different versions of uni just trying to find the best fit online and so he's studying at the moment online and yeah just going nice and slowly but he loves that there is something to fill the middle of the day with when he's not training and there's a focus outside swimming, I think it's really helpful for him. But, Mm. yeah, look, swimming is the number one priority and will be until he decides that he doesn't have any more to give there.
1: How did those separate focuses impact your relationship when you were young and just starting out? You know, if you were going into uni and doing nursing and he was following this serious Mm -hmm. swimming line, were they a good fit or did that require um, a, a fair bit of give and take?
2: I think we were both really happy to be doing our own thing and he was so supportive of me and i think just so thrilled that i was heading into something that i loved and it is so clear how much joy swimming gives mac and so I was just thrilled for him and excited when I got to go and watch him race or, you know, maybe he had a dinner to go to and cool, I get to wear a pretty dress. So (laughs) those early days were just, um, they were just good fun. And he was, yeah, we were both so happy to do our own thing and then come together on the Sunday, which was pretty much the only day we had together and hang out with our families and regroup and, learn more about each other because, yeah, there wasn't a whole lot of time during the week.
0: What are some of the things that people wouldn't understand about living with an athlete (laughs) to the calibre of Matt Cotton? How do you sort of balance that at home and what does that look like of a day-to-day life for you both?
2: Yeah, we've lived together for two and a bit years now. I think we both respect the sanctuary of home (laughs) 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 Um, and try and really really spend time with each other with each other when we are here so it's actually sitting down at the table to eat dinner and have a conversation as much as we would just like to flop on the couch he is unbelievably dedicated that doesn't miss a session he's always on time there's no set that's too hard and if it is too hard then awesome I want it harder like he just goes goes the extra mile in every sense of his swimming career so that's just inspiring so like it's infectious you just have to get around him and then do that in your own life as well obviously the constant training is full-on and you know Sundays is our day and managing you know boring things like cleaning and (laughs) cooking and all that stuff is something we're both learning to do. He eats a lot of food
1: and he's quite <laughs> so
2: specific about what he would like to eat. Relatable. So that's yeah, I can imagine. That's taken some adjustment. Yeah. I he's he's stepped up a lot. he does a lot of housework and cooking, which is fantastic because I'm not always here to do it.
0: He mentioned in a and a recent interview said, um, that you're his secret weapon (laughs) (laughs) in the same interview. He said she's not competitive and she's not a good swimmer. Do you ever get in the pool?
2: (laughs) I used to be, I can't believe he said I'm not a good swimmer. Ouch. Yeah. I used to swim. Uh, but I, I could not keep going because As he said, I have zero competitive spirit and I just wanted to be there with my friends and wear the pretty bathers and that was about it. So I quit maybe (laughs) when I was 14 or something, but I think you'd call me a natural swimmer. I can do it, but I have no finesse like him at all. (laughs) But in the summer holidays, I will go to the pool with him and punch out a couple of laps and... Yeah, so that's good fun.
1: So I suppose talking about the media, how has, I suppose, Mac's career impacted on your interactions with the media or social media?
2: I wouldn't have had any interaction if it wasn't for Mac, <laughs> yeah, I suppose. I think the nature of Mac's career means that he's in the spotlight so briefly and intensely like a couple of weeks every couple of years that it doesn't really have a huge impact on our lives, which is great. Yeah, I mean he's he's got a great Instagram presence and I think the best thing about that is there's lots of little kids that recognise him when we're out and about and come and kind of say, Hey, you're that swimmer and he'll go, Yeah, and he's so bashful and shy. <laughs> but it into for me, yeah, I don't really engage with it a whole lot super appreciative of the I guess engagement that it provides for Mac for supporters and sponsors and the Australian team in general and swimming I think swimming had such a prominent place in Australia's sporting history for so many years there and it would be nice to see that come back so it's great for all those kind of things but yeah as a couple. We just use it to communicate with our friends and family and share the, the good bits of life.
0: Would you be comfortable to talk about the protest and the backlash that came from that? I think even from your perspective, like how did it make you feel to see yeah. your partner um, stick up for something that he believed in?
2: It was fantastic because it was exactly who he is and he does not Compromise or apologise for his values, and so that was inspiring.
1: Can you tell us what it felt like for you personally to know that people were sending death threats your way?
2: I chose not to engage, and I didn't didn't read them. Um, I shut down my Instagram and Facebook. Um, My my family and friends just kind of all crowded in and coddled us with lots of love and support and we felt mostly really safe during that time. It felt easy to not take on because it felt really far away and especially once we returned to Australia and got back into our normal lives they were just little words on a screen and it didn't really hit too deep for me personally. It's not something Mac and I have spoken a whole lot about so I could not comment for him but of course I was concerned and worried for him yeah once we were back in Australia there was there was definitely a feeling of safety and normalcy that um kind of evaporated all all of
0: the rest of it you are listening to the significant others podcast So how do you define yourself and how does that differ from how you feel you might be defined externally?
2: It's actually something my dad and I have spoken about before and it is a bit of a funny way to look at human nature, I suppose. But I do get the sense that I am a human living on this earth for the first time and I get the sense that other people their souls maybe might've been here before cause they've just got this, this know-how and and wisdom and they're really comfortable in their own skin and decisions and they'll experience something and go like, it's not a shock or maybe it's more of a learning curve than something really different. But for me, yeah, I, I expect that I'm going to make a whole lot of mistakes and, things are gonna take me by surprise. And I have to take people on face value because I don't have, I feel like I don't have anything else to compare. So when people show me who they are, I do believe them. And often that means I get stung or a little bit hurt, but it's all part of that growth, I suppose. (laughs) I think once I kind of got that sense of my place, in this world that took a bit of the pressure off me as well and yeah I can just kind of ease into situations now knowing that that's okay this is new and we're all trying to figure it out together and all you can do is be kind and show other people empathy that's really beautiful Ella I really like that every time I meet someone new I try and figure out have they been here before are they a first timer you know what can I learn from them because maybe they've done a version of this before so interesting <laughs> it's good fun you should try yeah. <laughs> <it>. <laughs> interestingly when you ask people they do have an opinion about themselves and I've had multiple people say to me Actually, no, I, yeah, I think I am here for a second time.
0: What about you, Marty? I hadn't figured it out. (laughs) (laughs) It's Still going around in my head. (laughs) I definitely wouldn't say that I feel like I've got wisdom or I feel like I've been here before or anything like that. And I'm probably, I'm probably more sceptical than you, Ella. Like you'll take people for face value Mm -hmm. and just, where sometimes I'm probably a little bit more jaded. So I don't know whether maybe I have been here before and
2: been, <laughs>
0: <laughs> been shafted or, or whether I'm just a more tentative person mm-hmm. by nature. So I'm going into things just with a tiptoe.
2: It's a bit of the safety mechanism, I suppose.
1: Ella, in your career and in Mac's careers, the highs and lows are very different and what success looks like and what failure might feel like would be very different as well. How do you support each other through those? How do you celebrate each other's successes?
2: Well, we just celebrate everything. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And we make sure that there's always something to look forward to, whether that's something to do with swimming or a milestone for me at work or a weekend away doing stuff with friends or family, or we're planning a trip or, you know, there's always, we're always moving forward on that front, but the lows are, the lows are there for a reason so that the highs can feel so high. So I obviously I feel all of the lows (laughs) sometimes for Mac because he's, he's so resilient and focused and, um, Sometimes I feel like they can just pass him by and off he goes on to the next challenge. But I do like to sit sit in the low for a little bit and um, really make sure I've felt all of that so that I can actually move on to the next, the next thing.
0: How would you prepare yourself for the Olympics being this year and knowing what's coming?
2: I cannot help but feel so sad for all the athletes. It's just going to be... I mean it'll be still incredible I hope for them I hope they can still feel the enormity and you know the weight of what they have sacrificed to be there and to be competing at the olympics but uh, I went to the real olympics and it was wicked like it was like no other environment I've ever been in and it's going to be really tough especially for the athletes who know what that feeling is so I think for Mac and I, it's been a constant conversation of just, we know this is going to be different. It's not going to feel the same. It's not going to be as fun. You're not going to have all those other aspects of the Olympics like the Olympic Village and um, going to see other sports and all standing up in the crowd and doing the Aussie cheer together. So acknowledging that off the back, lowering the expectations and rather than it being this whole giant party it's you're really there to knuckle down and and swim and deal with the fake clapping that is I'm sure to come I feel really sad that I'm not going to be there to support him obviously I'll be supporting from home but I struggle when he travels and this is going to be a long time away because they'll have to do a staging camp and quarantine and then Actually, compete and then I guess quarantine on the way home. Though I'm not sure what that will look like by then. So as much as I will be thrilled for him to be there, it's going to be a long couple of months for me at home.
1: (laughs) Absolutely. So you're not
2: invited. Well, there's really no point. Like, there's no spectators, and I can't miss that amount of work this year while I'm studying. Yeah. Um, we have a dog. (laughs) What would I do with a dog? Yeah can't do it
0: yeah that's such a shame because it is just I guess one of those realities kind of of the world at the moment Mm. and you are part of his team and the sacrifices that you make every day to to get him there Mm. like you're part of that so it's a real shame that yeah you won't be able to be there on the day to show that physical support from the stands yeah do you think that's something that you'll like get together with his family or your family or some friends and watch
2: it yeah yeah that's the plan I've taken that week off so that I can just be on the couch or wherever everyone is and we can all watch it together and we don't even know if Max made it yet but the Olympics will go ahead either way obviously and to be able to sit down and indulge in so much sport it's going to be such a treat
1: (laughs) yeah it's always a great time with lots on the tv isn't it I'm interested in I suppose whether there's a level of difference between you know athletes on a national stage like Marty and my partner and and athletes on an international stage and obviously there is but one thing that I always found or I find now is that I never sort of get nervous around other footballers. They don't really feel like famous people to me anymore. They just feel like another Ben and that's nice. But if you're going to the Olympics and there are like huge international, some of the most famous people in the world, if you meet them, do they feel like just another Mac or do you feel a bit intimidated?
2: (laughs) Definitely intimidated, definitely in awe and you know, how thrilling that I get to be on his arm while all of this happens. It's so cool. And a lot of them don't actually even look at you. But they go, ah, oh, hi, Mackie, oh, you're the swimmer. Oh, nice to meet you. And then you move on. But, you know, happy to be there, happy to be a part of it. It's, it's all a good experience. But, no, it definitely the, the fame thing internationally is insane. And, I mean, Australian swimmers are know well known in Australia but in other countries swimming is huge and they've got massive fan clubs and they all wear the t-shirts and it's a really really big deal in other countries.
1: Have you ever come across anyone or met anyone where you've sort of just been like wow?
2: Do you know Leighton Hewitt? That was, that was really cool. <laughs> do
0: we, did you say, do you know Leighton Do no, like no, 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 it. no. Like no. we've oh. I said that was pretty
2: cool, yeah. Leighton. <laughs> Obviously. Um, oh, Ricky Ponting? Oh, yeah. He was so lovely. Oh, that's nice. Um, well, like I've been in the same room as Usain Bolt, but we didn't actually meet. So that's pretty cool.
0: Um, I cannot imagine at an Olympic <laughs> level, that I would be as cool as you seem to be right now, Ella. <laughs> uh-uh. Not cool at all.
2: Just, just smiling and waving and staying very quiet yeah. and still next to the very oh. tall man. <laughs> but all the other Australian athletes are, they're superstars. They're all really lovely and they've all got their own stories and lives outside swimming. So probably now after six years, I do feel comfortable to be able to go up to them and say hey what's been happening and congratulations or whatever it is um so that's nice
0: what's that like being the partner of someone in such an individual sport because I guess Hester and I are connected to a whole team Mm. and a whole club and this whole network of people automatically is that something it seems like you maybe have to build because yeah it's it's quite an insular sport
2: yeah no it is and I mean, the the amount of competitions there are throughout the year, not everyone can travel to those and you really feel the privilege of of when you're there because obviously you've been able to take time off work and you've been able to fly up to wherever. Yeah, a couple of times I've really tried to jump into those moments and get all of the partners of swimmers together and we've had a dinner or a drink or something like that and that's great because obviously we can all relate and hang out and share stories. The parents of all the swimmers have like an association and Max's mum heads that up wow so that's good fun so yeah they they do a beautiful job of bringing in the family element because it is so full-on and they all work really hard and obviously it doesn't work out for everyone and some of them have been in this grind for 15 years
1: yeah, it must be nice to have other partners who can who can relate to that because it it is such a um, unique experience. There's not a lot of people who who know what that's like around you. And yeah, what does that support mean to you?
2: Oh, it's wonderful, and it just it extends that friendship group, and and that's the best bit about it. You just get to make more human connections and meet beautiful people. And I mean, everyone has a little impact on your life, so build them up and. <laughs> it's great when you can go into another state and go, hey, we can catch up with these people, and hey, we know this person. And yeah, it's awesome.
1: Can you tell us just a little bit about what is next for Ella and what your goals are and what you're hoping to achieve? I'd really like to get on top of this dog training thing.
0: Really good.
1: <laughs> it's kicking my butt at the moment.
2: Um, Max has been away for a couple of weeks, and um, yeah. It went downhill. So um, that's on the list. Finish this postgraduate degree, maybe jump in and do my master's. I don't know. And then I think beyond working in the NICU, I would love to spend some time in remote communities in Australia and work with women and families and babies and, you know, offer any any knowledge, support, help, food, Whatever it is that I can, I'd also love to do some sort of Doctors Without Borders, like flying in, like emergency retrieval type type stuff. That's um, really hard work, but something that I'd like to be able to work up to. Maybe by the time I'm fifty, I'll be like knowledgeable <laughs> enough to do that. <laughs> and I am desperate to hit the slopes and go skiing. So save up my pennies and hopefully plan a trip sometime in the next five years so yeah I think that's what's on the cards for me and just taking the time to enjoy the small things I always have to remind myself to do that so
1: that's always on my list beautiful
0: yeah that's awesome Ella like some really massive massive goals and then some like really really specific what I can do right now to make my day better I love that
2: no, it's a good thing to think about because we don't slow down enough and actually consider what's been happening, where we've come from and what's next, so it's good.
0: I think that's one of the best answers we've ha- we've had to that question. Thank you, Ella, and to so many of our questions today too. You've really got me critically thinking about a lot of things, so I appreciate that um, and I look forward to listening to this episode again and again and thinking about it over and over. <laughs> pleasure thank you so much (laughs) no you've been an absolute pleasure you have been a delight to have on so thank you for sharing and good luck for those goals that you do have thank
2: you I think you guys are doing a beautiful job here really platforming some great conversations with really special people so thank you for having me
1: thank you for listening to the significant others podcast Please keep the conversation going and come and join us on Instagram at The Significant Others Podcast to suggest any interviewees or conversations you'd like us to have.